0: This is Robin Lawton and I'm glad to be back with you today on the Overflow podcast. I've got a great little crowd with me today. I've got Pastor Brian. Hello, Robin. Pastor Vernon. Hey, Robin. Hi. And Pastor Ryan. Hello. Uh, we had some amazing services this past Easter Sunday and our night of worship was also amazing. And we're going to do a little bit of talking about that in a little bit. Um, but we are going to open with a fun question. Our question for today is, I want to know like about your stuff. What kind of stuff Do you have that you love? Now, I know you love your families, and I know your Bibles and your photos and your (laughs) thing. I mean, Uh, no joke, they are pretty high on the list. So, mm, mm. (laughs) hmm. Had to do it. Um, So. So apparently we met Pastor Brian missed our fun Easter thing last week. Yeah. So now tell us, now that you're here, what would be your favorite Easter candy? I don't
1: have one. I told you that. Maybe a jelly bean, Starburst jelly bean. Those are kind of good.
0: He, he did oh, open, yeah. he did crack open a bag this morning. I little certainly leftover did jelly beans. because you were the temptress and, I, and <laughs> put it right in front of me. Hey, listen, if I'm going to have trouble, y'all are going to have trouble. <laughs> with me. So, yeah. So, so anyway, I would like to know about your favorite or most used possessions. What kind of stuff do you own that you just love?
1: Not, can't be our wife, Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You don't Fine. own her. <laughs> You've been entrusted. <laughs> oh, my God. I, never I, I never said that.
2: I never said that seriously.
0: My God. <laughs> he never said that what?
2: seriously. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'll Fine. go first. Mine is, and I, you know, it's okay. It's technology. Uh, truly, like when you took out, you know, our families and Bibles and relationships and all that good stuff, mine really would be my iPad. I would be uh, I don't know I mean I preach from it mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings and so and that's the same iPad that I'm sitting here got in front of me right now I use it literally more than my phone mm-hmm. I mean it's like 5 to 1 ratio I only use my phone really when I got to have a conversation or text but I use my iPad when I'm uh want to do my leisure time when I want to play a game um, I use it when I want to study something that I'm interested in. I hear somebody talk about a subject or something like I go straight to my iPad and we'll try to find a documentary or more information mm-hmm. about that. I
0: do love a Google. All yes. information it, at yeah. the tips of your fingers. Oh. Yeah, 100%. That, that's
1: what I, even, this is crazy. I, I found for $8 on Amazon a shade for your iPad. Mm-hmm. So when I am mowing my grass, I have my iPad on my ride mower no. at my feet with my headphones, and I will watch Mo at the exact same time. So I use my iPad. It's like, like
0: a treadmill with the iPad yes, on it. Yes.
1: The, yeah, I mean, That's I really use funny. it so much. Uh-huh. It, is, it is my favorite little possession.
0: Yeah, it does do a lot of things. How about you, Vernon? What do you love?
3: Yeah, uh, so I'll agree with Brian once you take everything else out. Definitely, technology is one, the phone, because you mm-hmm. can do so much on it. Like, I literally, you the other day...
1: use your phone, like, 20 hours a day.
3: For everything. Like, yes. even sometimes if my laptop is in front of me and I'm working from my phone, yeah. I'll be responding to emails from my phone or looking up or research certain things or putting a document together on my phone, even though I have my laptop right in front of me. Um, so but you I
1: don't need the laptop. No, I just no, oh, I still need yeah. it. The laptop <laughs> comes in handy. <laughs> you exactly. see, I still use the laptop
3: a lot, but it's just the phone. I don't know. It's just right there. Um... Like, or I, uh, Elijah's birthday is coming up. So we're going to, you know, spend some time with him and have some fun. But was able to, you know, rent a vacation home right there from my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like you, you use VRBO? <laughs> yeah, use VRBO. Okay. Man, right. yeah, that thing's awesome. Or you can pull up your Bobble app on the phone. But it's on the phone. Right? It's on the phone, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> or you can uh, watch YouTube videos on the phone. Stuff like that. It's just all right there, you know? So that would be one. The uh, other one. As I was just thinking about, is would be this little rinky-dink golf cart that I bought uh, last year, okay, for a 1996 Easy Go. Sweet. that thing. The paint on it, as uh, <laughs>
0: for when you play golf. For no,
3: <laughs> I don't play golf, but just a lot of people in the neighborhood. You know, they just yeah. anyway. So we, I love it. Um, it goes super slow up a hill. On flat land, it's fine. It's like Flintstones going up a hill, but. When we uh, use it to, you know, go to the pool or whatever, or me and the boys ride around and get to know neighbors and stuff like that. So that's that's what little, I bet
1: the boys love oh, that. Oh, the boys that's love the, it. Yeah. Kids love golf it's first.
3: That's fun. And the last one would just be a basketball. I got one at the house, but the ones that we have here at the church just love holding on to it. So, oh, I love awesome when y'all play position.
0: basketball, football. It's uh, oh, at work. Sure it's great. I'm sure you do love it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You I drive. love to
0: sit underneath it and let <laughs> you yeah. throw it over my head. Perfect. No, <laughs> no one's <laughs> ever gotten <laughs> hit.
2: No one's ever gotten hit intentionally. So Has anything ever broken? I can't confirm. So Ryan, what's conf- your favorite <laughs> possession? My favorite. Well, I give all my possessions to the poor. Um,
0: so oh, those, um, I thought he
2: was going to say
1: I lay it at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Oh. Also,
2: I put it at the foot of the cross. So, <laughs> double win. No, I'm a sports guy, so I would have to say my television because uh, I like to watch sports on mm-hmm. my television, or uh, when Shelly and I watch a show or something like that together. Probably, probably something like that. Mm-hmm. Things that you don't really need, but you find yourself using.
0: Yeah, I love TV. I'm definitely a TV. I mean, I like it all. I'm trying to think of what thing I like that's not like plugged in at all. Wait, I'll take that Um, back.
2: My refrigerator.
0: Oh. Well,
2: or my oven or my pantry.
0: My freezer is where I keep the ice cream. Or
2: freezer. Mm -hmm. There we go. Mm
0: -hmm. I like my. I do I'm like bad. I do like to sleep so oh
2: the bet I, wait a second Uh-oh. also long showers uh-huh. is getting weird but those are nice <laughs> yes, so Lord. there's yes, a lot Lord. more things I like than I realized mm-hmm. yeah
0: well all those things that we just kind of take for granted a little yeah, bit but yeah yeah for sure for sure I mean I do love a good google like I just I'm very inquisitive mind I'd be like oh I wonder who that is or I watch them and I wonder <laughs> how old they are or that kind of stuff um but yeah I do I, I like to go outside a lot like I have a porch that I love to sit yeah. on so that's kind of fun I do I'm a huge tv fan i like tv a whole lot um and you know i didn't think of this till you started naming your appliances but my keurig (laughs) is very and y'all know i'm kind of fussy about my uh coffee pods and all that kind of stuff and i have the sugar-free creamer if you've all Uh, seen that around the chocolate sugar-free creamer that's all me um you should say your
1: backyard i do i saw your backyard yesterday it is like it's going to be on the cover of homes and well <laughs> I, so
0: I love the backyard but like I'm also a huge fan of like the birds and the deer and like they're not my possessions those are just things that like I always feel like those are like God whispers in your backyard yeah. he's like hey I'm still God remember me yeah. while you're sitting in your whatever so yeah huge fan So, well, that was fun. Um, I am very happy. Last week was a little bit crazy. And so I'm super excited to uh, move into more of our uh, biblical spiritual realm here today. Um, And today is going to be a little bit about why we believe, why we should believe, how we might help to encourage other people who are maybe not ready to make that decision to believe. And Brian, this is a... um, A quote that used from c.s lewis uh when you did the forensic faith series a while back and it was this christianity is a statement which if false is of no importance and if true is of infinite importance the one thing it cannot be is moderately important and i love that the idea jesus like in or out but being stuck in the middle is being stuck nowhere so um When I think about that, there are two big words that we kind of use, and one of them is atheist, and the other one is agnostic for people who don't believe. And does somebody want to talk a little bit about what they are and what the difference between them is?
1: Well, I'll say, you know, an atheist is someone who uh, will blatantly and clearly state that they just do not believe in the existence of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's been uh, several popular atheists that have actually turned into great followers of Christ mm-hmm. um, as a result of their, they were trying to prove their atheism right? <laughs> and they end up becoming a follower of Jesus. And then uh, the agnostic is, that's, it's almost like an enigma wrapped in a, it's a riddle. It is, they don't believe in anything. They don't believe in the existence of God or even the, the faith of God. They mm-hmm. don't believe either one of them is, is a thing. It's like they believe in nothingness.
0: I always heard that agnostic was like really somebody who hadn't, like an atheist had gone through the process of figuring out that they don't believe, but an agnostic mm-hmm. was somebody who'd never really done anything. They weren't really They're believers. So right. Did you? So do so you think more people are atheists or more people are agnostic?
2: Ooh, that's a great question. I think people, uh, I would say atheists in the fact of they have at least... They at least ponder the question. Right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it also be more like I don't, I don't even want nothing to do with that? Where atheists, I think you at least have to think about it. Right? If that makes sense. I don't know. That's just my thought on it.
0: Yeah. And that's, I wonder, I guess, you know, do people really consider it? Do they just think of it as a fairy tale and just put it in that thing, but they've never really taken a look at it? So I always think that's interesting. Although I do think in our day and time, uh, because we've talked about this in our ladies groups and stuff, I think that everybody knows who Jesus is and knows what the claim of Jesus is Mm. and has made a decision one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan, you shared this verse, Philippians 2, uh, a few weeks ago when you were speaking and the verse was this therefore God elevated him that would be Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the father so thoughts about that one what do you think that means
2: Man, that one that one gets me every time I read it just because you you understand the power um of who Jesus is. But yeah, we talked about this in a staff growth group before too, and there's some really good insights to go on all this stuff. But so here's kind of looking at it. I just, I think that means exactly what it says, that people will know um, who Jesus is. This version, what well, do you know what version this is?
0: Probably NLT.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think the one I, was, I read too made it said that Oh instead of every tongue declare every tongue will acknowledge Jesus as oh Lord. okay well you know it's kind of same thing, but also different. Mm-hmm. so I think when I read it that way, um I think people both on earth believers and non-believers and also those who who are not on earth anymore where it says under the earth will will at least know that Jesus truly is who he said he was. I think there will be um the the power that you see in Christ when he returns will be unmistakable to know that, that he was God. He is, mm-hmm. who Jesus, who, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. So I think that's kind of where that's hinting at. And I think with, again, the might and power that he has, you have no ch- option or choice but to bow. I mm-hmm. think it's um, kind of like that. And Isaiah said something one time, and, and I think it's Isaiah 6, maybe it's not, but where he got a vision of God and the first thing he wanted to do is take a hot coal and burn his mouth or his lips. And right. I think it was just that that vision of when you're in the presence of holiness, the first thing you want to do is is get rid of the sin or just hide yourself or burn your mouth Amazing. Or, you know, from the sin or whatever. So I think that's kind of what that's saying too. When you see Christ, you won't have—you'll just be so captivated or— I don't know the right words to say right now but you will just physically just fall you just bow because you right there's no mistaking who he is and and the power that he holds that's my thought on it
1: amen Amen. i like that i like every knee should bow
2: because when i think of that
1: playing football you always take a knee right but every knee means we're on both Mm. and that is a a huge like for me the visual is even more powerful when i think of it every knee and the thing about it is and we say this all the time is the truth is going to be the truth whether you believe it or not.
0: Right. It's that day of revelation of what really is true. And that's
1: what's happening here is it's every tongue, every knee, both your right and left knees are are going to bow and acknowledge and declare that he is whether you believed it or not. And that's if any words in the Bible should motivate you as a believer to want to share, it should be those words right there. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's what God, we live in a world of such subjective truth. Like, mm-hmm. and so your God is your God and my God or my lack of a God is my truth. But there, there is a real truth. And mm-hmm. I think, Ryan, that's what hit me when you spoke this a couple of weeks ago is that everyone is going to bow and everyone is going to acknowledge. The question is, are you going to do it now or are you going to do it later?
2: Yeah, and with that too, so... Just to put you inside the mind, and I'm sure Vernon and Brian, y'all could maybe speak to this too. But so when you're on stage, you you know, you know what you have uh, prepared, right? You have your notes in front of you most of the time, um, and so you come up to you come to the stage ready to teach, prepared off of what you've been studying and researching or whatever. But there's also things that just might come into your head, and I truly believe that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that what I said now, that verse was there, but but that was not written down. And I, I remember while the words were coming out of my mouth thinking, oh no, (laughs) like this might not go the way I'm intending the words to go. Mm. But I think that was me. And I don't know how, how people responded to that, but it, it was me kind of realizing in my head, man, everybody will bow. And the words just came out, whether you choose to, out of love and respect and honor or if you're, you know, kind of forced just because of the power of Christ when you don't believe on earth, every knee will fall down and bow. Mm -hmm. But it sounds kind of rough coming out of your mouth, you know, on stage and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I hope people didn't take that wrong. Oh, I I loved it.
0: I I have to say it definitely hit me with a way that I had never really heard it before. Um, I literally thought like, whole sermon series. Every new will bow. Yeah. 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 It was so powerful.
2: But two, um, so it says on here and, and I don't know how deep you want to go on this, but it says, you know, every new will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. There's a story in Luke. I just looked it up to make sure Luke 16, um, where there is a rich man and there's a man named Lazarus and uh, the rich man dies. He goes to Hades. Right. And uh, Lazarus goes to heaven to be by the side of Abraham. But anyway, while Lazar, while the rich man's in hell, He's having a dialogue with Lazarus or Abraham. And anyway, what I thought was fascinating about this, where it says under the earth, I I don't know, we don't know what it's going to be like in hell. We don't know, is it going to be just complete where you are locked away and you can't have a conversation or anything? But that story kind of hinted at, you could know what is happening on earth while being in hell. And Mm -hmm. almost that's a form of torture, knowing that, man, I had this, or I could even have that seeing heaven, um, but now I'm stuck down here. So anyway, in that story, the rich man is pleading with Abraham to go tell his family, let them hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel because they don't want to be where I am. So when you read this right here under the earth, I think even people under the earth, if it's talking about hell, will, will be able to know, I had a chance to receive Christ and bow at his feet. So that's why I think it says even even there too, is you will recognize who Jesus is, whether you're in heaven, whether you're on earth, or whether you're under the earth, there will be no mistaking who he is. And I, I think that's pretty powerful too. Super powerful. Like he reigns everywhere, right? I mean, it's not just, you know, he's, he is the creator of all things. and Therefore, everything will know that.
0: I think it's that, We see through a glass darkly and someday we'll see exactly what is and what an amazing day that will be. But what a hard day for either those who've chosen not to or those who sit on a fence thinking they have time to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Any more thoughts on that one? How does that affect your desire to see people come to know Jesus today? That's I think that's what I walked away, Ryan, with that thought of the desire of wanting people to come today and not wait and do that when their eternity is already set.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it almost to me is like, I better make sure I'm right, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, that um again, I think if you are a follower of Christ and you, you, you believe in Jesus as Lord and your life reflects that then that verse should only encourage you, as you're saying, to go share the gospel with others so that one day we can all as a family um, worship Christ and bow at his feet willingly together. I think, but that's how it is for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a motivator. Um, cause we, when you love somebody, you do not want to see them suffer. You don't want to see them hurt. You know what I mean? And so I, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, it's definitely a motivator because I don't want to see people separated from God, right? Um, and experience the wrath of God, which, unfortunately, that's what takes place when you're going to be if you're eternally separated from God. And to know the the what it means to have the fullness of life in Christ. We're all experiencing that. We know what that's like right. on a day-to-day basis. We experience His grace. Even when I mess up, and there's mercy and grace unabounding. And I want other people to know that, too. So that, you're right, like knowing that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, whether you believe or you don't believe, is a huge motivator for people, um, for me, for people to come to know Christ. I don't want anyone to experience the judgment that is to come and the wrath of God that will be poured out on ungodliness and those who have refused As Psalm 14.1 talks about, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. They don't realize what that's going to create for them in the future. So that is just a, yeah, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that.
1: And what's funny is we don't realize it, but we're wired to share with each other. Mm. Whenever you see a good movie or a funny clip like we were talking about this morning in the staff meeting, we immediately wanted to share it Mm. because we knew it would make somebody bring some joy or value to their life. And so we are wired. I mean, now we have an opportunity to bring an eternal joy to somebody. So God created us to share and want it to each of us to be able to go, hey, man, I want you to understand this this is important mm-hmm. this will, this will make you laugh or this will you'll enjoy to meet this person this person you know changed my life and you want that you want people to meet them so it's a one of our just you know few natural instincts that we have is he's created us to want to share the good news mm-hmm. when you realize how true it is right. it does want, you don't you want to make sure they have it like you worded it robin in this life mm-hmm.
0: for sure it is an eternal issue. And that one of the things that I'm finding is that um, working with ladies and now that my children, so my children are all older than all y'all's children. um, But the thing is that that mother wanting to know that they are saved that they are eternally walking mm. with Jesus that they have chosen that for themselves as an adult I, I don't I don't even know if you can understand it till you kind of get up where the air is up here and as I work with women there is no passion more but the hard thing about that one Brian is you do want to not only do you want to share you want to nag um, yeah. but there but there becomes this thing where there's this real fine line where you've got to like model and love Jesus and love them and give them mm. room and that's one of the hardest things to do is to not want you really want to nag or a woman whose husband is not you know she wants him to come to church but like how do we share like what is God asking us to share that will help draw them in and not turn them away and of course it's not really our job to draw them or to turn them but sometimes when you really love people and you really believe this it's eternity is everything. Like Mm -hmm. you think suffering in this life is something? Wait till you see what eternal suffering is like. Yeah.
2: That's a great question. You hinted at something there and Mm -hmm. you're like, how do we kind of share? And I think consistency speaks like almost more than a lot of different things. You're like, cause so let's say you use the wife reference. So Mm -hmm. let's say there's a wife who maybe the follower of Christ when they got married, maybe not, but just for the sake of this, let's say she came to know Christ while they're married. The husband's not well, if that's a a two month thing where she's she's consistent in her walk with the Lord for two months and then goes back to what she was, that doesn't really speak, you know, mm-hmm. as much as if she's consistent day after day after day with doing what she knows to do from the guidance that we see from the word of God. Then I think that's what really speaks and promotes the gospel mm-hmm. more than anything because there you see real life change. And that's what I think being the light is, being a and being a uh, a beacon that is people are attracted to is that when you be changed, transformed of the heart, a new creation, people will take notice if you're consistent in that. So with that, I mean, I think for all of us that are Christ followers, be consistent in what you know to do, walking worthy of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And who knows who will recognize that or notice that, but that's our job. Be Mm -hmm. consistent, love God and love others. And people will eventually start to take notice of that. If that's God's plan. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's a verse that says, "May your words be seasoned with salt." And those of you who know me, you know how it's much I love your top I love salt. <laughs> um, but the salt is supposed to make people thirsty, and so when yeah. we speak yeah. and we share with them, the goal of that season with salt. See, Brian, it's very spiritual. I know, um, I, I season of, uh, with salt so that you can be thirsty. I can help yeah. you with that. And remember too <laughs> is people don't.
2: A lot of people don't like change. So again, that wife might might get some shots thrown at her or even from someone she loves like her husband, because people don't like to see change. And then when she's, people see you being changed for the good, sometimes you, you got some envy and jealousy in there. So it might take a process, but you just got to be consistent in what you do. Um, and speaking if you got family members or coworkers or whatever, or friends, I mean, people do not like change. When you start putting uh, guidelines in there and setting boundaries for things that you decide this is not for me anymore, people will might attack you on that, but just be consistent if you know that that's what you're supposed to do. And that's where that comes from.
3: That, man, that's amazing, Ryan. You're right. That consistency is so huge. And it's not saying that we're, we're going to be perfect, right? Not that right, we're going to yeah. get everything right on a daily basis. But being consistent makes a major difference. And I, I, I've just always seen um, in other individuals' lives, the words are so much more powerful when the life behind it matches it. You know what I mean? Not perfection, but consistency. Um, and you, so you're absolutely, man, that's spot on, spot well, for, on. And first Peter, yeah. always
2: be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, mm-hmm. but do so with gentleness and respect. Exactly. So in that situation, you will not be perfect. We all know that, but explain that, mm-hmm. but I've been given grace, right? right. I, I know that I messed up. I, you know, and when you admit mm, your faults yes. and say that I, I'm forgiven, you know, again, that's changed from a lot of people. A lot of people right. don't like to do that thing. So that's that humbleness coming out. That's only given to us by the spirit of God. That, right. that all creates that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Ryan's on a roll. Call him butter. Oh, come on. Call him butter. <laughs> He's
2: on a roll. <laughs> it's the bubbly. It's the bubbly Peach bubbly. I've
0: always thought that one of the reasons that Christians are called hypocrites so much is that there's this really interesting thing. Like we are sinners. We are failures. We can do nothing apart from Christ, But God tells us that we're all these things and we try to walk in the truth of who he tells us, but we stumble, Ryan. And so sometimes people think it is not really what you talked about the other day, Brian, like it's not about good and bad. It's about dead and, and alive. And we try to walk in the life that Christ gave us. And as we stumble, sometimes people really do like to point that out. So that that is one of those things that sometimes gives us a bad name is it's hard, it's it requires growth and consistency comes with growth. And we do a lot of stumbling around sometimes like, don't put your eyes on us, get your eyes on Jesus. He's the only one who won't do that. And this kind of leads into our next question, which I love. What are some of the reasons why you think people either don't believe or they're not ready to believe or they're not ready to make that crossover? What do you think some of the reasons people have for not becoming Christians or Christ followers?
3: Well, um, I know for me, at a time in my life where I've just uh, completely walked away from the Lord, one of the things, um, and I want to, I want to say, I never, you know, just just disbelieved altogether. But I know one of the things I was hoping was true that God was not real; God didn't exist, so that I could live whatever way I wanted. Mm -hmm. That you know what I mean, right? I wouldn't be held accountable for my actions, you know, or anything like that.
0: that You get to determine your own truth, exactly.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and so man, you know, that I'm certain, and I've, you know, heard a lot of people share that. I'm just, I'm having fun living the way I'm living right now. You know, but for me, if God wasn't real, if Christianity wasn't true, then praise God in my mind at that moment, right? I can do whatever I want and not be held accountable. for So I think that is probably one of the reasons, you know, many reasons why people, you know, shy away or don't want to become a Christian because they know, all right, if I do become a believer... Well, they don't realize God is going to do an amazing work and change their heart and change their desires and they will want to follow Christ. But in the mind at that time, it's like, shoot, I got to change and I don't want to change. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give up these things that I so love so much doing, even though I know it's harming me and harming others. You know what I mean? And they don't want to change, want to live. However you want to be. Yeah, they God. do so.
1: they don't want it to be true. Right. Because they, they love their sin more than e- they love the truth. And exactly. most times they know the truth. Right. It's not as it's not like I think we talked about it's not an intellectual hang up most right. time. It's it's a moral issue that they don't want to get rid of. Exactly. And you know, maybe that's a no, an, an affair or uh, the way they go about running their business is probably right. not as ethical as it should be or exactly. and th- those kinds of things and so they just they don't want it to be true because they realize i've got to give up something that i think right. is really helping me out in this world mm-hmm. and i think it was yeah john three nineteen even talks about that it says and the judgment is based on this fact god's light came into the world But people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And that is so true today. I mean, that just is, that's, that's 2021 in a nutshell right there. The darkness. It's
0: so interesting though, because I think, so, you know, uh, uh satan was the angel of light he was a beautiful one and sin always comes looking like the beautiful solution wow. to the thing that you want right it's always oh, wow. glittery and it, and sa- but it will always take you farther and deeper than you ever Sporeas. intended to go mm-hmm. it it's Oreos. Reeses. They're delicious <laughs> like on the. F- they're delicious on the front, but twenty pounds later, they're not Uh-oh. so fun.
2: Well, <laughs> I I mean it's good. no. Good. Uh, sin yeah. is sin is enticing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's hard. We are enticed to these things that we you deserve think are it. Good. It'll solve your yeah. problem.
0: It's mm. so pretty and It'll sparkly. Lies. Yeah. lies and after that, after you've eaten, you've heard me talk about this. When I eat the whole sleeve of Oreos, how do I feel? gross gross. i'm mad at myself uh, all that kind of stuff and really 20 pounds later it's the ultimate liar Um, and all sin is like that it will always take you sometimes you'll and if it doesn't punish you that way it will punish someone you love Mm. sin always costs Mm. there's always a price that's attached to sin and we just don't ever want to look all the way down the line to see where that actually comes in right and I think that's the truth. I
2: think too, like, like that's right, man. That's the same for me is the act, the things that you think you have to give it, what you do need to give up out of love. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like faith. I mean, I feel like if we had 100% concrete evidence that, you know, Jesus is real. God is real. Then it'd be a whole lot easier to give up these things. But, knowing that we are called to believe in something that we cannot see mm-hmm. that, that I think also makes it difficult for those, who, especially those who hear the gospel for the first or second or whatever mm-hmm. time right. is believing in something that you don't necessarily have concrete evidence for. And right. you have evidence in your life and those around you, but trying to understand that at first is tough too.
3: Right. Yeah. Or they're assuming that there isn't any concrete evidence out there to believe. Yeah, see, there that's, and that's what I like. Ah. I might go, I'm sorry if I, Take us off, Robin. you can no go right in. Track. We're heading
0: that way anyway. Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah,
3: and and that's one of the things that man, I, I want to encourage people. Like as you talked about with First Peter three, right, three fifteen, it says set set apart, uh, apart Christ as Lord in your heart, and always be ready to have um, know why you believe what you believe. Right, be re, uh, have. A, um, reason ready to, to know why you believe what you believe. What we believe is a reasonable faith. It's not—we're not encouraging you to just blindly walk into something. <laughs> we're not just throwing you in it or believing some myth or some Greek goddess here or whatever the case may be. No, there's evidence, uh, solid, concrete evidence for what we believe. And so based off of that evidence, we now put our trust. That's why John twenty thirty one 31 says, I've written these two things to you so that you may believe. You know what I mean? And have life in his holy name, eternal life in his holy name. So these things were written, and it talks about the miracles that Christ did and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of uh, uh oh, what was his name? Lee Strobel, Case for a Creator and author of Case for Christ. He was an atheist. He was out to set, um, prove that there, a God did not exist, that Christianity was wrong. There was no Savior. His wife had just become a Christian, and she was praying for him, you know, to come to know Christ. And he wanted nothing to do with it. But as he went out and began to find all the evidence he could to disprove it, and I think this is some of Josh McDowell's story too, he actually ended up coming to know Christ because he found that, oh, my goodness, there's so much support for the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that Christianity is true, I I believe, you know. So anyways, he did his research. He did his homework. And then based off of the information he found, he made a decision. So yes, of course, we do have to operate by faith. But what we put our faith in is what we have, um, based off of what we have come to, you know, uh, uh, the, the the information we've received and what the result we've come to. And so, anyways, I just what's invisible, what we cannot see, um, we put our hope in and our faith in because of clearly what we can see: the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky all of these things and the person goes from choosing creation over the creator to choosing creator over creation. Right. And so I, I don't know. That's just something for me. There's like there is evidence in there our faith actually is reasonable. And then we put our faith based off the information we have. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yep. And yeah. that's
0: and that's exactly where I want to head because some people look at the Bible and they just think it is a book full of fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um and that like it it just came out of nowhere and somebody just wrote stories. So what are some of the things, what kind of what are these concrete evidences that we can put our faith in? Anyone? Anyone?
2: Oh, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. Yeah. One of the biggest ones is you know the different prophecies we see all throughout the old testament i think that's that's incredible to me if you really sit down and think about it that hundreds of years before i mean hundreds and hundreds of years before even jesus but even things that haven't come yet have been talked about you know back in isaiah and even in genesis i mean mm-hmm. all throughout the old testament you see different things that said what was going to happen, and then you fast forward a hundred couple of years to when Jesus was walking, and even the things of riding on a donkey, you know, or um, palm branches being I mean, all of these things were, were foretold back in the Old Testament. Over 600, I think it was, um, maybe more than that, that came true of prophecies that were were already talked about. So, right. that's one thing, mm-hmm. but again, like you're saying, we know this but you still have to believe in it. You know what I mean? And that's the hard part is, is believing in the things that you already know. But, um, even like we talked about this during the forensic faith thing, but Brian put a bunch of pictures up on the screen. You can go today right now and go get baptized in the exact same river that Jesus was walking. in. you Mm -hmm. can go see uh, the ruins from, from the town that that is on my list. At
0: some point I need to go there.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's evidence over here in America. We don't, you know it's hard to put our eyes on these things other than pictures but you can go over there and see inscriptions written that that prove that this man his name was Jesus, right. right? Now, him being the Messiah does come with faith, mm-hmm. um, but we believe we hear the stories of the miracles and all these things that happened. But yeah, there's proof out there right now that you could go walk and visibly see. You could stand in the same garden that Jesus cried in. Right, right? he and, was right? a real man. He yes, walked the absolutely. real earth. That
0: is not a fairy tale. There's is is plenty of proof uh, yeah. for that. So right. how right. could so. there be... So is he Messiah or is he not? Right, well, right. that's my
2: point. Is You have all of this stuff pointing to... This man named Jesus, well, we also have proof that this man named Jesus was a real person who walked on the earth, it, right? So where what am I missing, right? So we right. have 90% of the information that is true, then how could it not be true? Right. is, exactly. is kind of how my mind
3: works. Exactly. No. So yeah, so yeah, spot on, 100% Ryan. Just the, so that historical evidence, the historical evidence that's there that talks about Jesus Christ, nobody... Well it's a very small percentage, to my understanding, if I remember correctly, but nobody really refutes that Jesus existed, that Jesus was here on the earth. Even atheists and individuals, even scholars who do not believe in God will say yes, Jesus walked on the earth, and in fact, there is um uh, articles out there of individuals who said they saw uh the, the the resurrection that there was the empty excuse me an empty tomb from both believers and non-believers, if you want to discredit a story and tell somebody that Jesus did not exist, you're not going to put something out there as an unbeliever and say that there was an empty tomb. Right. You know well, what and I mean? it was
0: written in a timely manner so that exactly. people would have been alive when these things were written. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Exactly. And so and then there's a story. I want to say it's in Matthew. Um, and I probably should have read up on it again. But anyways, to talk about after the resurrection, how he had shown himself to many people. And once it got back to the religious leaders, they had to come up with the lie. So they said, okay, say the disciples stole the body. Well, why would you say the disciples stole the body if, there was, if, if Jesus was truly still in the tomb? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they verified the individuals who wanted to kind of mess up this resurrection actually proved that Jesus was not in the tomb by saying, let's say that the disciples stole the body. And, I, you know, there's just so many different things out there that just says— Jesus Christ was real. He was on this earth. And you, if you're an unbeliever and you still point to, yeah, the the tomb was empty. Yeah. There's evidence here. They saw him here. Um, that says a lot. That says a lot. Well,
2: and go back yeah. to, this is what I learned when you did that forensic faith thing is that the tomb, ston- the stone of the tomb. I don't remember if you said a weight to that thing, but it was a big old stone. Do you remember mm-hmm. off the top of your head? Mm-hmm. I think it's a four tons. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, the way you described it was: is it was on a decline to make sure that it would stay shut. Mm-hmm. So, how many people right. would have to push a four-ton stone up right. a hill and then keep it? It was up the, the ladies. Right. Oh, the women. Oh, yeah. the they, they were the married. first ones yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they that's, right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that sounded So That psychoso. makes perfect sense. <laughs> but even the historical <laughs> evidence to that, yeah. factual evidence. I mean, there's yeah. no way and right. not to mention the two Roman guards that back in that day, no one would ever cross because right. they saw what happens when you when you you know mess up the Roman government, you get hung on a cross. Exactly. So people are terrified of that anyway. Mm. It's just it's not feasible to make something up right. when you have the evidence right in front well, of you. Well, it's exactly. the, it's
1: everybody loves a good conspiracy theory. Mm. And that's the reason we like a good conspiracy theory, even in a movie, especially because there there's really not many. That have mm-hmm. ever really been pulled off. It's almost impossible to pull something off like that. It's uh, like, And I think we talked about this. We were talking about, you know, you got to have like a, a very small no- number of conspirators in order mm-hmm. to pull this off. And one of the main points, I think, is you know, they talk about in order to pull a conspiracy off, you need uh, that. You need great communication. But it, the thing that sticks out to me the most to pull off a great conspiracy is you need a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It needs to begin and end quickly. Otherwise, it will ultimately get out because we are not wired to keep secrets. We are not wired to stay quiet. And for a secret to not, for this not to come out and have all this evidence that this was all just made up, charade, fault, it seems like the further we get away from Jesus' resurrection, the more information and the more Evidence that seems to keep creeping up; otherwise, it would go away. Right, it would, it would just fall. And but the reality is, we just it keeps building, and we keep talking about it more and more because there's more evidence. They can't disprove it right. at this point. And right. after two thousand years, I mean, that's that, how do you keep? And then you just think about the the his followers, the twelve followers. I mean, at some point, they would fold. They all but one gave up their lives on, to is. defend this right. secret. Secret, you right. you know, or defend some non-truth. No right. one's going to do that. You're well, and I gonna... read
0: something that was also saying, you know, these were devout Jewish men, very, yes. very devout. Right. So they believed in one God. So for mm-hmm. them to serve another God and die for another, you know, Jesus mm-hmm. in the right. form of God, that yes. itself would have been a huge thing. Not only did they give their lives for it, but they would not have changed their faith exactly. for something that they didn't believe was fulfillment because Jesus is the fulfillment right. of their faith. Yeah. And so even I, that
3: was a huge... You're right. And nobody's willing to die for a lie, but you will die right. for the truth. Right. So yeah, it's was just like, yeah, man, like you just do not die over a lie.
2: Well, that, that was something you, where you were talking. I was thinking about that where before Jesus died, the Pharisees are trying to figure out what do they do with him? And one of them was like, listen, if it's not true, if he's really not the Messiah, it will fizzle out. But if it's true and you kill him, yep. Yep. Y- you know, you can't mess up what God's about to do. Could you imagine? Yeah. And, and then, yeah, what they are they that, thinking now? I mean, like, I imagine uh, how scary uh,
1: that little meeting must have been.
2: And now they're like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel right. like that comes Uh-oh. that yeah. comes back
0: to the every knee, every every knee will <laughs> bow, every yeah. tongue right. will confess. Yeah. Like yeah. all those people at some point will bow and confess that right. Jesus Christ is the Lord.
2: Wow. Well, and that's okay. Again, off topic, but just going back in their heads. So, like, wh- why would they keep on the charade of making up a lie when they they put him to death? They saw him buried. They also saw that tomb was empty and he probably appeared to a lot of people around that town where they were like, Okay, he yep. but but they still kept up the lie. It's like man, well, at some want, point
3: they wanted to continue to have that religious power. They wanted to be king. They wanted to be served. They did not want Jesus to be yeah, king, that's you a good know. Point, yeah. You know, they wanted that I mean they the had the influence so much. and yeah. the power. They mm-hmm. had it all. And now, oh Jesus
1: rose from the dead; he truly is king. We're in trouble now, right? So they've been yeah. trying to snuff this story out for tw- two thousand years, right. and they cannot yep. do it. Yep,
0: crazy, just crazy. Really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots of reasons to believe that. Je- if you, if you, if you are not a believer that Jesus is Lord, don't, don't be. Don't be an agnostic, get yourself together, look it up, find the research, read some books, see what you can find, because there's a lot of background and evidence support that it is yeah, truth.
2: That's a great point. So let's say you yourself, and for some reason you're listening to a, a Christian podcast, but maybe let's just say, or you know somebody. Because
0: Brian is funny. That's probably why they tuned in.
2: That, well, of course. Amen. yeah, And good looking. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. But I just feel like, you know what? And I'm going to say something that might be weird, but it's okay to not believe Yes. It's not okay to not believe and not search. Mm. So if you don't believe, then have a conversation with somebody to at least give you a starting point to be able to seek and search yourself. That's what Amen. you're talking about at least struggle. Right. He tried to prove Christ wasn't real. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? In his seeking and searching, right. he found the evidence that was true and he turned his life over to Christ. So I would say if you don't believe, don't then, then at least have a conversation with somebody and ask questions, debate them, you know, mm-hmm. find out what, why they believe what you don't believe and let, and who knows what God will do with that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.
3: And there's a lot of, and I'm sure you guys have some other ones, but there's a <coughs> lot of wonderful resources out there that helps when it comes to this. Uh, again, Lee Strobel, Case for Christ or Case for a Creator. Uh, there's also a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to be an Atheist uh, by Frank Turek. Um, it's, it's pretty thick, uh, but a lot of copies have been sold and answers a lot of questions. William Lane Craig, who's big on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and has been an apologist for years, uh, a book called Reasonable Faith. And um, and yeah, just but there's a lot of wonderful books out there. But those are some uh, just off the top of my head that I know have. Oh, and more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell. As I love well. that one. Yeah, that was
0: little. Come on. Yeah, exactly.
3: Simple little, <laughs> but man, concise right yeah. to the point. And many people have actually become a believer because of that that little book. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And the
3: power of God, of course.
0: Great thing. But, so, One yeah. of the other things that I saw was that all of these um, leaders in all of these world religions, they were all buried somewhere. Now, Jesus was actually put in a rich man's tomb, mm-hmm. right? They knew where prophecy. it was. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, that was part of the prophecy. <laughs> ding, ding. But... But all the places, all these people who pilgrims to the tombs of these people can't do that. There is no tomb for Jesus. Like they would have known where he was. And the fact that there is no tomb to visit itself speaks volumes about the fact that he was real. If he, if he was not real, he would be in a tomb and they would have been there worshiping. Well,
1: right. And some people just want like forensic evidence. And a great example that I, was, I stumbled upon was um, the Iliad was written um 1100 years past before they found a copy of that original manuscript and they end up finding over time like 1500 something like that 1583 or something like that of copies and that is second place for the most copies of a old manuscript second To the New Testament, there have been 5,843 copies of the Greek New Testament, and the first one was found not 1,100 years after inception, but 30. Come mm. on. Wow. So, I mean, what I mean that is four times more than second place of all the original manuscripts we found from history. And so many people believe in the Iliad, so
3: yeah, why not I the know, New Testament? I know, it just blows exactly. my mind. Well, and even that,
0: just, like what Ryan was saying, if you read the <clears throat> prophecies, because the Bible is written by multiple authors and put together over multiple time, when you read it, it reads like one book. Mm-hmm. And you talk about conspiracy, Brian. People, that many people over that much time could not put a story together that doesn't have major holes in it and it doesn't have that's why you know the more you get used to it the more you read and you read something from like genesis or something in revelation and you see the correspondence between the true you're like oh my gosh that's so cool because the idea that um i think the rabbis called that stringing the pearls finding Mm -hmm. the pieces that go together all the way through the whole bible is one of the amazing things so
2: we're doing uh first peter right now Mm -hmm. in a little bible study but it's funny that first peter one through eight sounds exactly like paul in Ephesians one through eight. It's like, Mm -hmm. now maybe Peter or Paul, they wrote, they read each other's stuff, but it was like, it's all talking about inheritance. It's all talking about being chosen. I mean, it's the same language and it's just like, how, how, you know, how does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit. You know, yes. yeah, rich. That's
0: what I was thinking. Even the Bible, you know, you worry about. So, I, so one of my worries has been like, who touched it and who were the people and who put it together? But the idea that God, it is his responsibility to hold it together for us so that we can get it with the information that mm-hmm. we need. Just having that faith that he's held it together all that time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome stuff. I'm going to swing us into our Ephesians chapter two, a great sermon this Sunday, Brian, for Easter. Um, and I just want to read through, these were the first three verses from uh, chapter one two that talked about um, who we were before Christ. And it says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. Old life.
1: Well, it's the the big word there that will be the theme throughout the book of Ephesians. The, how it, what encompasses all of that. We talked about death. We talked about disobedience. We talked about our sinful nature, talked about basically enslaving ourselves. And that's what mm. Paul has laid out right there. And every single one of those have a common denominator. And that is, it is causing you to be apart from God. Mm-hmm. And we cannot live the life that God intended for us to live or have a relationship with, him, with, with Christ being apart from God. Right. And that just it, I don't know, just the apart is a five letter word that holds a lot of power. You can't do life apart wow. from God. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I love like you brought this big, you know, dead. We we you know, we are dead apart from God. Um it, disobedient, I guess this word enslaved, Brian, really kind of caught me when you spoke about it, this idea, you know, you are a slave to your flesh, you're a slave to sin, and you do not have the power to break free from that. Even I was talking about like, uh, worldly counseling just really substitutes one thing for another. You know, you give up cigarettes and you start chewing gum. Um, it cannot take these things. It cannot save you from these things that we have in our old self, That's
1: good.
0: you know, uh, and, and wrath, like, I just think about that word, wrath. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he was in the garden praying that the cup would be taken away, I think it was God's wrath that Mm -hmm. he was concerned about at that moment. And when we see his, (laughs) he prayed three times that God would take it away from him. So I think if we understood what God's wrath was like, if we don't have life from Christ, we would be a lot more concerned for our own. I I heard this really cool thing. um, It was, it was a sermon, but it was just talking about how with the pandemic, right? Like life was everything. We stopped the, world. We stayed home. We used hand sanitizer. We used gloves. We've gotten uh, vaccines. We've done all of these things to ensure life on earth, but you're Mm -hmm. still going to die. Right. If you really want life, the only real life, uh, I think you said on the day you die, it's the most alive day you will be if you have Christ in you. Right. Yeah. Not my stuff. It was someone else's stuff. I stole it, but it it really, it really, Mm -hmm. well, I would say we all share it together because we're all kids of the one true God. Um, And then in verse four to seven, it goes on. It tells us more about the good things that happen. Um, But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead, just like Jesus, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples. We're examples uh, to the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us, united with Christ Jesus. Thoughts about that? Something particularly that hits you there?
3: Oh, yeah. So. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. You about to make me start flowing? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, man, that that but God. First of all, I mean, that's good. Right, right? Yeah, right. But yeah. like, is he, he? He, you know, just recaps beforehand what our life was before. Yeah, Christ. you
0: were exactly. but God, but mm-hmm. God. That's good. I'm
3: like, I, I mean, that just says so much, and that's obviously so much of our lives, even after coming to Christ. But God, right? right? <laughs> Every day, yeah. Every day, Amen. And so, no, um, absolutely just love that. Be it not for God, but God, I'd still be dead in my sin. Uh, we'd still be dead in our sins. But he loved us so much that even though we were dead, he gave us life when he raised Christ. And it's by God's grace. So we didn't deserve this, right? It was it was this gift of God that he gave to us, which, again, paints this picture of just such a beautiful God, as it talks about in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, how He it brought him great pleasure to save us. He wanted mm-hmm. to do it. No one forced God. He wasn't like, oh, God, I got to get up early out of the bed and go do this. No, he wanted to save us, and it brought him great pleasure. And this is a gift um, given to us. And I love how you pointed out, too, uh, Robin, just how we are those examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. That's us. Like, you want to see the incredible wealth of God? God says, look at my creation and those who have been saved, the glorious grace that has been poured out, And lives changed by the power of the gospel. That's such a beautiful thing. Like he, we're literally God's inheritance. We're His possession, but we're also an example of the glorious wealth for ages to come. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, I'm so sorry. Just one other thing, Psalm. I think it's in Psalm. Oh, Psalm 70, maybe. It talks about how one generation will proclaim Your mighty and powerful acts to another generation, and that the magnificence of God. And, like, here it is. It talks about we are an example of the incredible wealth of his grace. We could just share that truth with other people, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's mind-boggling. Well,
0: it kind of goes back to that, like, what that that consistency, living in, and it it said right there in four, he loved Mm. us so much. Mm. I just really think that if we could really process— the love that he had for us and that's why it gave him such great pleasure to do this for, just just like any mom who loves their kids just any parent would, for their kids would do it mm-hmm. god's love is greater and more perfect than ours mm-hmm. and so uh, just even imagine what that's like come on
1: when well, i like to cuz it it basically it's just that comparison contrast of everything paul just laid out of who we are right. you know he goes you know we've gone from dead in the old life to now we're alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that was kind of the biggest crux, I think, of the message. And Robin, I believe you were the one who was bringing it up. was talking about, you know, it's it's so much more than going from bad to good. It's going from death to spiritually alive. And when you, Couple that with what y'all just said about um, at where he's, it's his rich mercy and how much he loves us. Mm. You put those two things together and we're indestructible in the name of Jesus. Right. So, and so I love that. And then as he as was going on, you know, we were talking about the, uh, we were having to, we, we now, instead of trying to live this life of rules where we're just going to end up being disobedient, we just can't do it. It's now about a relationship. And hundred and that's our mission statement. That's the way we we exist and the way we feel like we've been uh, led by God. And then the enslaved and the old life, now we are enthroned and we've thrown this phrase around heavenly citizens, mm-hmm. um, heavenly ambassadors. Uh, that's what we get to be a part of. And then he finalizes it with the old life of being, you know, trying to, you know, walk around and exist in our little sinful nature. But now... As a result of this, this is when you put how much he loves us and then going from death to alive to now saying, okay, now as a result of all of this, here's this moment of salvation where now you, despite this death, this disobedience, this icky, 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 you have a union with the Messiah. Mm-mm-mm. You have a union with the Son of God. Come on. And that is for me, especially, I have been so had so many years of emptiness because mm-hmm. i would try to have a union with my career mm. or try to build this perfect union with possessions that's good. Per- and, yeah. and 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 you always fall short you always end up empty and when you realize okay this new life this is union with the messiah and that's who i'm gonna hitch my wagon to come on i've tried it the other way it don't work and i know you're
3: gonna be <laughs> preaching on this when we get to ephesians 3 but i think that's i wonder if that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, I think in 18, he says, and I pray that you'll be able to comprehend, like you we're talking about Robin with how much he loved us, how wide and how long and how deep and how high God's love is for you. It's like, oh, my, can we, like, we're still comprehending that to this day. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully comprehend, but, like, we are still comprehending to this day how wide and how deep and how long and how high God's love is for us. Mm-hmm. That's un. Real. It's amazing how much he loves us.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you maybe you heard this quote, like for us who are Christ followers in this earth, this is as close to hell that we'll ever experience. Mm. But for those who are not followers of Christ, this is as close to heaven wow. as they'll ever experience. And it's when we get to heaven, Vernon, that we'll really understand the depth of that. Like I think on earth we will always, there's always a shadow of that, mm. but there'll come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess oh. and we'll all know. And the question is, which side of that do you want to be on? It's right. really. It's a choice that everybody has to really consider and make. Amen. Um, yeah. I'm going to swing to the last verse of this passage that you did, Brian, because I love this one. This was verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. What does that word masterpiece mean for you?
1: Oh Well, I, in the Greek, uh, poema. Would be kind of how you would say it, but uh, what that means literally was like masterpiece, uh, handiwork, craftsmanship, and then when you transliterate it over to the English, and this I, I we were talking about this before the podcast, it, it means poem. Mm-hmm. It means a work of art. And that's so. The emphasis here is yes. There's he talks about you know the union back with Christ and we're made anew and all this stuff. And then he the, paints a picture of what God's eyes perceive when He sees us as followers, as His believers, and we we are looked upon as a as a as a piece of art as a as a poem and i don't care if that sounds girly knowing that the creator of this world and realizing everything that he has done and i am a work of art to him mm. i am poetic mm. in his eyes that's just powerful
0: yeah that's amazing yeah vernon any thoughts on that one? Oh,
3: i, I just know you're right powerful I, I um and i love how you brought up the poem uh poem part you know that like we are a symphony that God has created, That's you know good, what I mean? yeah. and put together. And I always get the picture of when I see that verse 2, it's just like a blank sheet of paper, just blank sheet of paper, and God drawing his masterpiece on it. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful painting, and it's, and it's God doing the work. But, but that verse 2, a lot of times when it comes to like, Um, Is used for individuals like serving because it talks about, you know, before the creation of the world, he prepared for us good works that we should walk in them because we're his masterpiece. So that also is a verse that talks about the calling that God has on our lives. Like he created us and wired us in a certain way for us to be able to flesh out and live out our giftings to bring glory to him because we are his masterpiece. So what is it that God has called Robin or Ryan or Brian before the foundation of the world to complete through his will and only through that individual, right? Because we are his masterpiece and he prepared that. And so that has always been, uh, I remember that verse and just going through a time too in my life where it's like, okay, God, what is it that you have called me to do? Because I'm your masterpiece. You've created me. You know me best. You've, you've, got me. Exactly. you've got a plan. plan. A, you've exactly. You've got a plan. You've got a plan that
1: you came up with way exactly. before. I You're was even a
3: consideration. Right. Yep. So what is it Lord and connected with that calling? And so that verse has been huge for a lot of individuals too connecting with their calling as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm a true. so yeah.
0: I, I was a flute player in college. That was my main instrument. And I always think about this idea that when when you are doing what God has called you to do, you are the instrument. But the wind blows through and makes the music. Mm. And I and I always think that when you're doing what God has called you to do, you will know it. There's a love and a passion that goes right. with that. So it's right. super cool because it's God's calling, but it's also your joy. That's exactly. where I think you find your greatest joy, yes. for sure. That's great. I love that. I love that. That's, yeah, love
1: that's, that's, that. that's a closer. Right there. Come well, on. Well, <laughs> this is
0: this is. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna read this quote one more time from C.S. Lewis based on our conversation because it's great today. If you know someone that is contemplating Jesus Christ, um, they certainly you can invite them to listen to this podcast. We also have a class coming up soon called Salvation for those who are considering it which would be kind of a cool thing if they wanted to sign up and do that. That will be uh, I think it's on the 18th of April. You can find that on our website. But here is the last quote again. Christianity is a statement which if false is of no importance and if true is of an infinite importance. One thing it cannot be is moderately important. So consider it and choose today. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Robin. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. If you'd like to know more about New River Church and the ministries or opportunities we have for you and your family, please visit newriver.church. If you have a question or a topic that you would like for one of our pastors to cover in a podcast, please visit newriver.church forward slash podcast and send us a message. May God cover you with His goodness and grace, and may Jesus always be enough. Talk to you next Wednesday.